This week we have a uh, double parsha, Achremos Kedoshim. Uh, it's very interesting that there seems to be a lot of overlap between Achremos and Kedoshim. It's the consanguous relationships, the prohibited relationships that we have. Uh, Achremos actually starts off with a service, the Yom Kippur service. But uh, if you read Sukkim carefully, you'll see that even though they discuss many of the prohibitions, the same prohibitions, in Achremos, you have warning, the warnings, and the punishment are written in Kedoshim, which fo- follows the uh, mandate, the uh, Talmud says there's a mandate, that you have a warning first, you can't punish without a warning. Just an interesting side point, we won't talk about this much today, but I just want to mention that what's the notion that you have to give a warning before the punishment. Obviously, if there's a punishment that shows you that you shouldn't do it. Because we're not talking about, like, warn somebody before you see him doing a verai. No, you can't do that, so he knows he's not allowed to do it. That's a different principle. That is, there's an, you can't, that you need hatra'ah, you need, you need to warn a person. Here it's in the Torah. The Torah doesn't write the punishment unless it wrote a warning. If the Torah says you get executed for it, then obviously you're not allowed to do it. Right? So why do you have to write the warning as well? So it's, it's not so simple. If you only just said punishments, for this you get lashes, for this you get, you know, you get somebody says somebody makes a sense, you know what? I want to try a cheeseburger. I get 39 lashes in 39 lashes? Cheeseburger? Maybe it's worth it. I, I, you know, if, if it would, didn't, the warning is to show you that it's wrong. You know, so a person shouldn't say, I'm willing to take the punishment. You know, so you need to say that it's wrong and this is what happens. But not necessarily, because somebody says, I'll take the punishment, you know, take the chance, you know, well, let's see. Anyway, but that's just a side point, that's the two partios. There is a, the, and I want to tie it into the time period that we are right now, is we are in the period called the Sphira. Right? The Sphira is the counting of the Omer from the second night of Pesach until Shavuot, that is a book, that is the, uh, has on both sides bookshelves on both sides with the uh, Korban Omer was the barley offering that was offered the second night, the brought on the second day of Pesach. And on the other end, we have the Shteh Lechem, that was a wheat offering that was brought to get on, on Shavuot. And the period in between are the counting from the Omer until the Shteh Lechem, that's the Svirat Omer, which actually really culminates with Matan Torah, Kabbalat Torah. But the period that we're in, so even though we're in this process, and this is a very, very important process, because the process basically signifies us leaving Mitzrayim until getting the Torah, right? And, and the process itself is important. And how do I know it's the process itself is important? Because even the way we count the Omer, you know, how do we count the Omer? We count one day, two days, three days. When, when the process is not important, but what's always important is the outcome, then the way you count is 49, 48, 47, because you want to get down to one. But we don't count to get down to one. We count to get up to 49, because each day is an integral part of getting to. So the process itself, very important process, on becoming fit to accept the Torah. But something else happens during this time. And I want to discuss that. And I want to bring down a, a, a Gemara. If you take a look at this from Yevamot Samach Gimel. All right? Take a look at this statement. Rabbi Kiva Omer, 
That if a person study Torah when he's young, he should study more Torah when he is old. Even if he had students when he in his youth, you should try acquire more students when you are old, older. Shenemar, the Pazik that in the morning, means in your youth, you should sow your seeds. And if you do that, then you'll be able to sow your seeds in the evening as well. So if you do learn it when you're young, you'll be able to learn when you're old. If you do learn when you're young, acquire students when you're young, you'll be able to again acquire students later on when you are old. Alright? Say them more like this. This is again, this is written in two places, I think in Shabbos and in Yavomas. This is a tractate, Yavomas is So Amru, the, uh, our sages told us, Shnaim Asar Elev Zugim Talmidim Hayulala Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva had 12,000 pairs of students. Megivas Adam Tifras. It was stretched throughout the entire, uh, uh, bulk of, uh, the, 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 from, in, in, uh, in, from the place called Givat until Antifras, which is in Yehuda. Right? Vechulan Mesa Perak Echa. They all died in one period of time. Ibnei Shalonagu Kavod Zelazeh. Because they did not show respect to one another. And the world was desolate. Right? Desolate means without Torah. Until he came to the rabbis, our rabbis in the south, and he taught them, and this is like in his, the idea that in his old age, he acquired new students. And who were they? They were Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon, Shamua. And from these five new students that he acquired, at that time, they reestablished the Torah that was lost by his 24,000 students. Tana we learned in Abraisa, Kula Mesu Pesach they all died in the period of time from Pesach until Atzeres Shvuas. Right? The Ramban, the fascinating Ramban, he says the same way as you have on Sukkot, you have Sukkot and the last is Shmini Atzeres. Shvuas is like the Shmini Atzeres of Pesach. That's what's called Atzeres in the, in the Torah. Whatever that, there's an implications there. You know, Amorav Chama Bar Abba, Vitem Ravchia Bar Avin, Kula Mesu Misara, they all die from a terrible death. Mahi Amrav Nachman Askara. Askara is some kind of breathing that your, 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 uh, trachea closes down. They call it diphtheria. I'm not sure exactly that would be, uh, alright. Now. This is the story that... Let's analyze this for a moment. We need to understand, number one, why did they all die in this time? It's question number Why? Why during, between Pesach and they all died? Meaning, what, that's the only time they weren't nice to one another. That, that can't be. I mean, they must have been nice to one another all the time, but this is when they died. So we have to understand what's the message that this is when they died. Another thing that jumps out at me is that, why don't I say he had 24,000 students? How does it couch it? 12,000 pairs. There's a message there. 12,000 pairs. What's the message that it was 12,000 pairs that died? And, and a, another question, I'm going to share with you an idea that I heard from my Roshiva that, that I think is probably, to me, probably one of the biggest problems over here. And that's really from this week's parsha. Take a look. You have a pasuk in Vayikra, that's in Vayikra Yotes, pasuk Yerches, that's at the end of, uh, the end of, 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 of Kedoshim. 
It says, Do not take vengeance or bear a grudge. Right? And you have to love your fellow, your friend, as you do yourself, because Ani Hashem, I am Hashem. Losikom lositor. What is losikom lositor? This is probably one of the hardest mitzvahs. Losikom lositor means, Rashi gives the example, right? He says uh, that if let's say uh, you go to your neighbor and you say, can I borrow your axe? And he says, no. Okay? Three weeks go by, he comes by and he says, can I borrow your shovel? All right? So, losikom is, if you say to him, well, you never gave me the axe last, three weeks ago, so I'm not giving you the shovel. That's losikom. What's lositor? Lositor is, here, take it. But you see, I'm not like you, because you didn't want to give me the axe, and I'm going to give you that. that. That's a very difficult halacha to keep. You know, I'm doing the right thing, but I'm pointing out that I'm not doing the wrong thing like you do. So that's those so losikom, losikor. The end of the pasuk is a famous pasuk, Vahavdarecha Kamocha. And we have over here, Vahavdarecha Amar Rabbi Akiva, Rashi brings this down, is Zeklal Gadol Batorah, that's a Sifra, that this is the fundamental principle of the Torah. It means everything in the Torah is based on Vahavdarecha Kamocha. And, uh, I'm not gonna go through the Sefer Achino, but it's good eye to see. But the Admar brings down a story in the Sefer Shabbos. Shuv Maisa Benachri Echad, there was a Gentile, Shabalif Ne Shammai. It's showing the difference between Shammai and Hillel. Right? Shammai and Hillel, the two great schools. One was the school of Shammai. So he said like this. So this guy comes to Shammai, drives him nuts and says, I want to convert and you'll teach me the old Torah, but the condition is that I'm standing on one foot. What a Shammai. He said, He took, there's a ruler that they used to measure the building and he gave him a, a, a zetz with his get out of here, stop bothering me. That's when he went to Shammai. Comes to Hillel, and was Hillel Gire? Hillel co- converted the fellow, and Amarlo, the Alech Sani, that that which is distasteful, or that which you hate, the Chavercha lo Sa'aved, don't do to your friend, Zuhi Kolatora Kulo. That's the entire Kulo. So that I'll teach you on one leg. Stand on one leg, that do I know, right? The, uh, the Idach, and the rest of the Torah, Pirushua, is the explanation is the interpretation of that concept, uh, Zil Gemor, go and study. Right? But again, so Hillel really, where's Hillel getting the concept from? Right? That this is the basic foundation of the whole Torah, that that which is distasteful to you, do not do to your friend. Where's he getting it? He's based on the, the way Rabbi Akiva stated, so Hillel is basically espousing that principle, right? It's interesting is that even though the Pasuk is written in the positive, Hillel went and switched it into the negative, right? That which is, right, in fact, by the, the golden rule that the Christianity embraced, that supposedly uh, Jesus did, which would be a couple of centuries after Hillel, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto yourself. That is in the positive. 
Right? So why did, what is Hillel, I will see, maybe we'll circle around and answer that question, but what does Hillel want to teach us by making it in the negative? That's, that's it's, it's a subtle difference, but there's a difference there. The message is the same. It's all based on, so how is the, the Jewish golden rule different that it's posed in the, in the negative. But the problem that I want to circle back with is, this is all based on Rabbi Akiva. What did Rabbi Akiva say? Amar Rabbi Akiva v'ahavta l'recha kamocha zu klal gadol b'torah. That means everything is espousing this principle. Now if someone is going to call himself a student of Rabbi Akiva, you can't call yourself a student if you don't embrace the teachings. There are a lot of people running around, that's my Rebbe, that's my Rebbe, that's my Rebbe, but if you don't Follow what you're, you're not, he's not your Rebbe. It says 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva died. That means 24,000 students were, and these were not small guys, because when they died, there was no more Torah left in Klal Yisrael. There was a vacuum that was left, okay? And what did they do? Lonagu covered Zebazen. The Marsha says they spoke Lashon Hora about each other. Whatever they would have to see, that would go up. At some level, they did not behave with one another appropriately. How is it possible they call themselves students of Rabbi Akiva? And Rabbi Akiva's main principle in the Torah mm-hmm. is And yet what? They didn't follow it. They don't call them students. They should say, there were 24,000 kicked out of the yeshiva of Rabbi Akiva because they didn't follow it. And they, but no, they were students of Rabbi It means they seemed to embrace and still, how do you embrace his position and still have Lonagu covered Zebazeh? That's, that's the question that I think is very important. I think there's a life message here to all of us because we see it, we see it all the time. So let's just re, uh, Reframe the question, just get them in, in, in uh, the, as we ask them. Number one, okay, we want to know why is it that Rabbi Akiva's students died particularly, specifically in this time period? That's the morning period of the Sphira in this time period between uh, Pesach and Shavuos, which is also the period that we lead to Kabbalah Satara. Obviously, it's not a by chance. Right? Number two, why is it define them as pairs? 12,000 pairs as opposed to 24,000 students. Number three, Rabbi Akiva was Zeklal Gadol Batorah, then that's, that's what everything he taught was infused with that message. How could they be faulted for the very thing that is his main principle? You say, well, maybe they didn't keep it, then they don't call them students. Students means you're embracing what the person uh, believes in. Um, we'll see in, in, as, a, as a, a side point, maybe we'll get into why the Jewish golden rule by Hillel is done in the, expressed in the negative as opposed to in the positive. We're dealing with something here at school this week, which is why really I was thinking about a message I want to give to the students. That's how I started working on, on this idea. I always find it very difficult to understand how is it possible? You have people, you see young teenagers, but we see it in adults as well. They're very close. Think about even family members. We love each other. We feel close. And yet the way we speak to each other, 
the way we talk to each other is the disparagement that goes on, especially you see with, with the kids. But you see it also in families. You know, you sit around the Shabbos table, and this one makes fun of that one, that one makes fun of this one, this one. You know, and, and you know, the, the one who wins can have the biggest shtoch, the greatest, you know, uh, you know, it's, how does that happen? We love each other. How do they talk about each other in such a way? The nicknames they give each other, the, you know, it's, it's difficult to understand. What's the dynamic that we act towards sometimes the ones that we love the most in the worst possible way? So we're going to talk about that a little bit because I think it builds a little bit for us in terms of our own relationships with our spouses, with our children, and, and, and teaching what the appropriate relationship should be. The time period that we're discussing is very interesting. It's, it's, it starts with the Omer, which we said, what kind of a offering is the Omer? It's Sorim, it's barley. And it concludes on Shavuos, which is Kabbalah's Torah, with a Shteh which the which is uh, made out of Chita, which is... is, is, is we. We're learning now Dafyom, we're learning Sota. Sota is a woman that is suspected of... Uh, uh, infidelity and in order to get back to her husband we have to prove her innocent and she has to drink waters that the Shem Hashem has been nimchak has been erased in it and there's a mincha kanaos an offering of jealousy that's the only other offering that's made out of barley there's only two barley offerings there's the minchas the omer and the minchas kanaos and the Gemara says why why is it that the mincha that the woman brings that's going to check if she committed an infidelity, why is it made out of barley? So the Gemara says barley is animal food. Barley is animal food. So a person, it says, that acts in a, like an animal that allows their animalistic tendencies to take over. Right? So you bring an offering that's made out of barley. And therefore, it's very interesting, is that meaning the process for Kabbalah Satorah, we start with an offering that's made out of barley. But at the end, by when we go through the process and we're ready now to accept the Torah, at that point, the offering has to be wheat. That shows the overcoming of our animalistic tendencies, the transformation of us acting like animals to becoming human beings. That is the process. And fascinating, this is before Matan Torah. You get the Torah, the Torah will teach. No, no. In order to get the Torah, there's a basic requirement. What's the basic requirement? You have to be a human being. You have to be a mensch, which espouses the notion of Derech Eretz Kadmala Torah. It's not that the, there's no question that through the study of Torah and through the performance of mitzvahs, we will sensitize ourselves 
to elevate ourselves to become elevated souls. But there is a basic requirement. There is a basic requirement of derech eretz that a person has to have before Torah can have any impact on them. And so that process from behema to animal is prior to Matan Torah. You have to learn how to act like a mensch. You have to know how to have derech eretz. You have to know how to act like, with respect. Right? Then the Torah can elevate you and, and sensitize you and, and teach you, but you have to start off being a, a mensch. To start off being a human being. My Rosh Hashiva, when he taught us this about 30 years ago, he gave us an example. I'm going to make it updated to the 21st century. I'll tell you the example that he gave after I've updated it. Right? You walk into a restaurant and you see a man and woman engaged in conversation. You know they're dating. You walk into the restaurant and one of them are looking at their phone and the other one's answering text messages as, you know they're married. He said it with reading the newspaper. Back then there was no uh, texting, there was no cell phone. What, what, that's a very deep concept. What does it mean? What does it mean? And this is something that we see it the poil, we see it in our own lives. The less familiar we are with people, the greater the boundaries exist and the requirement of acting in an appropriate manner. When you're going out with a girl and you open the door and you open the car door and you come around, what happens is that the more intimate and the closer we become, unfortunately, sometimes that erodes the barriers become eroded and the requirements, the boundaries of, of, of proprietary and, and appropriateness are erased as well. And the avodah that we have to do and what we really need to focus on is recognizing is that, okay, we love the person, but that should not mean at the expense of respecting them. The love has to be built on top of the respect. Not that the love erodes the respect. And we see that. We see that that with, with our wives, with our children, with our husbands, very often we're willing and allow ourselves to act in certain ways that we wouldn't do with the next door neighbor. We wouldn't do with the... Uh, you know, and it's a very, very important... In, in, in English, there's an expression, familiarity breeds contempt. But sometimes when you get so close, it actually has a negative impact in terms of the relationship. And what we need to work on is recognizing as close as we get, there's still, obviously, there's going to be differences between if somebody you don't know and somebody you feel close to. But you always have to have at least some fence in a positive way. There has to be some barrier of recognizing 
this is somebody I still have to show respect to. And it doesn't allow me to act carte blanche. There has to be the respect element there. And what happens, I think, I think what happens, and this is probably where, I'm not saying this is always the case, but this is, there's no question, you know. We live in a generation, we love everything, right? I love my wife, I love my kids, I love my dog, I love a piece of steak. Because the focus becomes what that does for you. Why do I love steak? Because I like the way steak makes me feel. Why do I love my wife? I like the way she makes me feel. No, that's not what love is. You don't love them for what they do for you. You love them because of who they are. And what happens, the closer we get sometimes... We start focusing on what they do for us as opposed to who they are. And that's where if you focus on who they are, that allows you to put the boundary. What impressed us about them to begin with? Let's think about it. What is the things that the chesed they do, the way they treat our children, they raise the children, the ability that they give us to be able to do what we need to be doing. Let's focus on those things that evoke not just love, but love that's based on respect. And I say, and sometimes because of the love, it wipes out the respect. So, and that din, that menschlichkeit, that menschlichkeit that's required, and, and you see it all the time. We have it with people that are strangers, but the ones that are closest to us, our best friends, our, you know, we don't have it. It shouldn't be that way. Yes, you do have a certain familiarity, and you're allowed to do certain things that you would not, but not that there's no respect at all. I think that's what happens with, 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 you see, the ones that are closest, the students that are close to their friends, he's my friend. Yeah, well, how do you treat him that way? He's my friend. But that's not how you treat a friend. Sometimes that closeness erodes even basic mental height, even basic, and that's what we have to build up. If we look, What was the midah that Rabbi Akiva was espousing of the, as the fundamental principle of the Torah? The ahavta. What is that? Love. What does it say that the Talmudim didn't do? It doesn't say they didn't love each other. What does it say? Lonagu kavod. Of course they, they accepted and embraced what their Rebbe was teaching them. To a fault. They loved each other so much. They were so close that you know what got taken out of the equation? The kavod got taken out of the equation. They lost the kavod. They lost that respect. You know, the chavrusas, that's why it's the pairs. They're like husband and wife, a chavrusa and yeshiva. You have your chavrusa, you learn with, you know, then you fool around with, you joke around, you know, his time doesn't come so in, doesn't matter, you know, if a stranger tells you you need to be at a time, you show up on time. Right? Your friend, you come 20 minutes later, you know, you know, your wife, okay, you know, let us wait a little bit, let, she, she said, let the husband wait a little bit, but stranger, you know. 
the respect that, that gets eroded. That's what happened over there. Lona kavod They lost that ba- that that kite that you treat because sometimes because you become so close. It's because they became so close. So of course they followed the dictate of Rabbi Akiva. But because they became so close, it became eroded. And I think that is, and you lose that level of menshulchait, right? What happens? What's one of the prerequisites for Kabbalah to Torah? You go from barley to wheat. You have to be a mensch. You have to lose that. They lost that. That's this time period. The time period that you're supposed to develop from barley to wheat Transform yourself into a mensch, into a person. Derech Eretz Kadmala Torah. The message for us that even the greatest scholars of Klal Yisroel, that if there is something lacking in their menschlichkeit, they are not ready for Kabbalah Torah. It's a very scary thing, you know. And you see, even you see, even like, unfortunately, scholars and rabbis sometimes the way they treat each other, deal with each other. You know what I'm Basic derech eretz, basic menshlechkeit. Derech eretz kadam ala Torah. That's the message. Why this was the time that they that they were punished. But I think this is something that's for us. Just think about it for a moment. For us, and again, we have familiarity. We have our wives are. We become fused with our wives. We're one. Our husbands, you know. What are the boundaries? What do we do? Think about an act of life. What do we do that we show, not that we love them, that we respect them? Is there something there that we let them know we respect them? That's, that's something we can work on ourselves and our children. You, he's your friend. He's your brother. How do you show respect? Not love. You'll give him the shirt off your back. You'll give him your meal. But how do you show respect? And it's not that easy. You, know, you feel so close to someone. It's not that easy. So I think that's the main message. Just as a side point, we wanted to know why is the golden rule by the Christians, it's in the positive, the same way. But Hillel teaching us something more than that. I think the message is like this. Very often, to do something for someone is very satisfying. I'm doing something for you. I'm helping you. I'm, I'm giving you a ride. There's something that when you do something, you, get, you feel a tremendous benefit. Let's say, you see your friend fall off a chair. Or you have a line that you can get such a zinger in, can like really get in, to hold back and not, I'm, I have to bite my tongue, I'm not going to laugh, I'm not going to say, that's a much more difficult thing to do. Right? You don't even get credit for it, because it's what you didn't do. It's not what you did do. Comes along Hillel, and Hillel says, if you really want to know that you're being Mekayim Vahavtal Recha Kamocha, it's not only the things that you do for them, but it's also the things that you hold back from not doing. 
Did you say the, 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 the line that's going to make him feel bad or the funny thing that people are going to laugh at him or laugh when he fell off his chair or, you know, did you hold back to keep it in? Why? Because when you hold back, he doesn't see that you're doing it for him. Nobody sees you're doing it for him. Hashem knows. Ani Hashem. Hashem knows. But to the ultimate level of of, of being able to determine, do you really have a hafta is not in what you do. Comes along Hillel, tells you it's not in what you do, it's what you don't do. And that's the message that, that what you would find distasteful, somebody laughing at you, making a nickname about you, putting in a, ma- a meme, what they call those things, making people laugh about you, that's, that's the way you show it. Are you able to... If you don't like it done for you. Can you hold back and not do it for him? Then you show the Haftar That's the ultimate level of Haftar Holding back and not. And I think that's why it also connects into Losikom Lositor. Because Lositor means you have to love him and not say to him, I'm doing this. How much, how, uh, we have such a Yetzirah that the guy last week didn't do me the favor, now I'm doing the favor. Such a Yetzirah, either one of two ways, either not to do it for him, or to do it and point out how much better you are than him. To hold back and not do that, that takes a real level of a Haftorah to be able to do that. That's why I think it's together in the, in the, in the Pasuk. Everyone should have a wonderful week and a... Uh,